0: You know, we started this new series on the fruits of the Spirit. And and, and like I said, we've, I've, I've tried to give a little bit more of, of uh, without drowning anybody, just some of the, uh, the, the the Jewish roots background. And so we've come through, um, you know, the, the Jewish New Year, which is the year 5781. And uh, we talked a little bit more about that. And um, last week, and, and I know I was here by video, I was in Arlington Live, and, uh, but I, I, I love the response, I love the, the interaction, and, and I appreciate, uh, it, we're not doing that regular, just once in a while, and kicking off this series, I just felt like that I really, it was in my heart to set that and to be able to move that forward. And some of it is because of the Jewish roots, because we are Judeo-Christians. In other words, we come from that place of Jewish roots. So many people, they're into replacement theology and they they discount and almost abolish and wipe out anything that God did in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And, and that's not. You won't find that. You get into the New Testament and you find that we're grafted in as Gentiles, that we're not the root. God has... The, the Jewish people, uh, the Israelites that are still the root of this thing, and in that we're grafted in. So so setting the tone in that coming from a a what they would do is celebrate coming into their new year a lot like what we would. But the, the High Holy Day um, is what just took place with Yom Kippur where normally the priest would walk into the holiest of holies and apply the blood. Great time for us to... To remember what Jesus did in His, how many thank God for the blood of Jesus? Paid the price, paid for, it, paid. How many ever owed something and somebody paid it, and you went, "Yes, it's paid." Well, that's what Jesus did. He paid it. He didn't know it. We owed it, but he paid it. And uh, and so then you but through that process, there's normally about a, 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 a seven-day window where they're in reflection and really setting their hearts, and it's a time for them to, to, to experience a renewal in their relationship, and to evaluate any places where they have detoured off, you know, away from uh, serving God, and so then they come back to center on that. And then it moves right into what is now this weekend has started the Feast of Tabernacles, which is um, what what they would call the great harvest and it 's the, the you know the end gathering of the fruit and uh, which leads us into the fruit of the spirit and and it 's interesting how many things are just aligning themselves in this area, and so we 're going to talk about. In the weeks ahead, starting last week on love, about the nine fruits of the Spirit. And again, fruit is grown. We know that there are gifts of the Spirit, but those, they're gifts, right? It's one thing to just have a gift, but it's a whole other thing when it's a fruit. you got to cultivate, you know, you got to work at this a little bit. And, uh, and, as, and I don't know about you, I'm about to read these, but as I read these, um, there were some that were very glaring that uh, i have not attained fully yet <laughs> and and probably all of you you know will go oh yeah that one i really got to work at oh yeah that one uh, mm-hmm. okay let's read these galatians chapter 5 here in verse 22 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering <clears throat> Kindness, <laughs> goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Against such, let me focus on that. Against such, there is no law. Isn't that powerful? Can can we just take this just just for a moment? Because you know, sometimes we we have the saying. Too much of anything, even good, can be too much. But that's not what that says. (laughs) Too much of this is still okay. There there is no such law. If you can get these nine fruits of the Spirit fully engaged and working in your life, I promise you, you're not going to be living a life of the flesh and in an immoral life In suffering those consequences. (laughs) That if we would focus here on this area. And last week we kicked it off. We talked about love. This week we're going to look at joy. Now again, um, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. So they're not... the, the, The origin is not from ourselves... The origin is not from the circumstances and the situations that we're facing in life. The origin is from the Holy Spirit that if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart, then he has sent forth his spirit on the inside of you. You have been born again, and there's, there's an inner working now of God's spirit within you. And if you've not done that, by the end of the service, I'm praying that you will do that, or you'll do it right now. Say, Jesus, I give it all to you. Just fill me. And, and, uh, and in this, so, so the origin is coming from his spirit. So we have to, we have to make sure that we, we set ourselves in accordance with that, that and that we have the right, again, you're, you're going to hear me continually say, to have a biblical worldview because there is a lot of mess that's being thrown around out there, especially with the politics and with all the extreme uh, race baiting and race uh, con- conflict and all the stuff that's going on and, and uh, theories. and You can have all your opinions and all your theories and all your stuff all you want, but if it doesn't come back and align itself to what God's Word says, it is not of God. Period. And God is about, he's the God of reconciliation. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, but all one in Christ Jesus. Now that's the Bible. Either you're going to believe it and line up with it, or go do something else. (laughs) Don't call yourself Christian. Go do something else. Because that's the Bible. And that's what Jesus is now in this so I got a little strong there sorry (laughs) that's all right some things need to be said what is your lens is your lens a biblical worldview or is or has it been painted by other by the media (laughs) that's dangerous right So here, from this place, it's got to find that origin from the Holy Spirit. So it's when I say joy, it's not based on what's happening. It's based on something that is within you. And I and I know that it can be challenging, specifically because I, I'm always sensitive. You know, even a little more this week with some of the, you know, the the things you know that that has even touched my own life and and some of those around me with loss. Right? You know, we we live in a fallen world and have fallen, you know, flesh. We're all passing through life on a journey and, and sometimes, you know, the reality is is that life happens. And with that... Sometimes there, there is a place of mourning. There is a place of sorrow. But you know, the Bible even says in that that, that even if there is sorrow, that joy can come in the morning. Right? <laughs> and I and I pray that today that, that you'll embrace this as, as a as a message that um, is not about just challenging your, your thought process or just challenging the circumstance that you find yourself in, but that it truly moves us to press into, like I said, the origin of this, of where it comes from, which is a life in the Spirit. And Galatians, the whole book of Galatians is, is focused on that. Because with the, with the Jewish people, one of the things where they did track off is they got into very works-driven, works-oriented. You know, it, 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 was, it was all about the works. But they disconnected from some of the intimate place of the relationship that God desired. And so Galatians, the writer, the Apostle Paul, is really bringing that back, kind of stripping it down to the foundation of this is about a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that it is about a life in the Spirit. Because he he talks about this, he talks about the works of the flesh. But he says before and after that basically if we live in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, where is our focus? Where's the origin? It's back to the spirit of God. Of learning to be intimate with God in His in spirit. And if you get filled up with His presence, and, and that's why I love the dynamic of corporate worship. Now we can worship and we can, we can enter in, you know, you know, in our in our own homes and cars and wherever, you know, you can turn on some music, you can start worshiping God. But there is still a certain dynamic in corporate worship that happens. And, it, and you track back even in the Old Covenant. It was very significant in their, in their forms of worship. That's why I love the feast that, that uh, is still celebrated today for the Jews, for, for Israel. Because it, it, it gets you back to recentering on that. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is. You know what basically we could boil down the Feast of Tabernacles? It's Sukkot, which they would set up booths. And, and, and I've been to Israel uh, now multiple times. And, and on one of our trips, uh, we were there during this time frame. And even in little apartments with little bitty decks, you know, they would set up these little little tents on the back porch. And the family would go out there and they'd set up their food out there. And they would go in under that and they would eat. It's... All very symbolic of remembering that God brought them out of Egypt out of a place of bondage and slavery and brought them into freedom and entered into the promised land and it was in in each time of the year when this cycles around it turns into a huge party (laughs) where you are with your family and you're with one another it's it's as if, I was listening to one rabbi, he said, it's really to a place to, to where God is commanding you to be joyful. And for seven days, they party. <laughs> seven days, they are into this. I didn't, I didn't fully, as we planned out this, this sermon series and did all that, I didn't, I didn't exactly align it to all that. We knew that we were coming in to a new year, 5781, and that there was a lot of focus on the, on the fruits of the Spirit. But I had no idea that this Sunday morning, that we were going to preach on joy, just because of the order of the, of, the, of the series, and that it kicked off the Feast of Tabernacles, when God is saying... Be joyful. <laughs> Be joyful. Yeah, but what about the pain? What about... Okay, let's, let's dive into this. <laughs> um, let, me, let me just... I'm going to skip past, guys, on, on that first point. Number, number, on the, the first scripture. Number one, I'm going to go here. Number one, joy comes from knowing we're in the will of God. So, Because I, I want to bring this to a place of application. How do we really apply this to daily life and where we live? Well, I, I have to say, as, as I started evaluating and thinking about the, the, some of the, the tragedy, the circumstances, the, the loss, the, some of the different things that have gone on, and one of the, the benchmarks that was in my life that I could always come back to To be joyful is knowing in spite of the circumstances that I'm in the will of God. Something happens to, to you just in general to allow you to enter in to this intimate place again with the Holy Spirit when you are convinced, I know that I know that I know I'm serving God. I'm in the will of God. And if you're in the will of God... Then that just that blockage and whatever sometimes because you need to understand there is a real devil, a real enemy, true spirits of 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 uh, destruction and division and all kinds of stuff that the enemy is is at work attempting to do you don 't have to look very far and it, i mean it 's visible now sometimes we may just see it as. Human behavior and some different things. Oh no, no! You got to look past a lot of that and see the spirit behind it, of what what is causing that, and what is what is uh, infiltrating and influencing and driving that thing. And there is an enemy that wants to rob us. And if and if he can get you convinced that you're not enough, that you're not measuring up, that that, that's why I love that, again, you're entering into a new year knowing that the slate is going to be wiped clean because that's, that's a big part of, of the whole... The Process of each year that's working for for the Jewish people is that as they enter that new year, they know that as they enter into it, they're they're contemplating. They're they're, they're they're in that place of of repentance. They're in that place of saying, "If I have if I have knowingly or unknowingly sinned against you, Lord, forgive me and I and I cleanse my heart and I'm moving back to sinner and my my focus is on serving and living for you." And you you enter in. You exit because how you exit is how you enter. And if you exit that, that old year in that fashion, you're moving into your new year, setting your course, and it's called that, you're, that you're, your name is written in the, in, the, in the book of life. You go back to what Moses, you know, in, in and what, what was told of him there, and that. In other words, they now are set on a course, they're on the path of blessing. Where God pours out his blessings, his blessings now, as Deuteronomy says, come upon you and overtake you. Come on, how many would like some of those blessings to come upon you and overtake you? Well, that's how you you that's part of the process. And and so, but as you're doing that, and now you enter into Yom Kippur, it is a very solemn, very they're usually they're they're fasting, they're they're in prayer. It is almost a place of, of mourning. And again, that's, that's from a Jewish place, I, don't, I believe, because they didn't fully understand what, what the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world meant. But beyond that, now we have just right behind it the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's like party time! Where we can enter into joy. And now we've got seven days of God commanding us to be joyful, to being thankful. Well, how, how is it that I'm in the will of God? You know, they knew that they were in the will of God every year as they thought back of coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. Now, there was some disobedience that stuck them out there for 40 years before they fully got to go in. And I, won't, I don't want to get hung up out there wandering around in the wilderness. I want to be able to enter into everything God has for me. Well, it takes a real heart of faith to be able to enter into that. Now, Hebrews chapter twelve, so the so the Jewish people are there. Man, they're thinking about that. They're reminiscing, they're in remembrance. Well, look look at what look at Jesus, because remember, he's our example, right? Hebrews chapter twelve, verse two says that we should looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Come on, if if you want to get a little more insight into the fullness of the price that was paid, go back and watch The Passion of the Christ. The Passion. If you haven't watched that movie, you, you should. And even with the passion as grotesque and as, as um, depicting of what that crucifixion was like, I believe, reading Isaiah's description, it still didn't go far enough. The way he describes it, it's as if when Jesus hung on the cross, you could not recognize that it was a human being hanging on the cross. It was that bloody, that gory. He endured the cross for a joy. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he saw something beyond the circumstance. Beyond what he was passing through in the moment. And he knew he was in the will of God. He knew going to the cross, he was fulfilling God's will for his life. And ultimately, the reward of that was seeing us being able to enter into the kingdom of God. Number 2. If you're in crisis, you need to be able to look beyond. If all you see is the situation you're in, it'll take you down into a low place. But if you know that you're in the will of God, lift your head up and you just you need to say to yourself, God's got this. <laughs> God's got this. I don't know how, <laughs> but he is a waymaker. God's got this. Number two, joy should be exercised in the midst of the trial. (laughs) See, some some of us are waiting for joy when everything's going our way. Again, it's not based on what's happening. And the other aspect of that is those things are really a test. Look look here, James chapter 1 Verse 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And this really is a word endurance that um, is a cheerful expectation. But let patience, endurance, have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature, is really a good, good word, and complete Lacking nothing. So in other words, if you're in the midst of the trial, you can count it all joy. You're not counting that joy saying, man, isn't this really lovely of every nasty, terrible thing happening to me? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying to to, to rejoice over the negative that's happening. What he is saying is you can exercise joy because... You know it's just a test. And you know something. You know, if you really know something, if you're on the inside, and you know what maybe someone else doesn't know, you act different. You approach it different. And, and believe me, I, I have faced some major trials, major uh, mountains, <laughs> have to believe God for physical challenges you know I've I've shared the story you know with Erica and some of that and and I kind of have my own journey going right now you know (laughs) with with the uh, you know the the catch in my get-along but anyway (laughs) you know after breaking my hip and, and working through some of that somebody said well you're still smiling I said yeah it helps the pain <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's no pain, right? But it'll it'll help me move through the process. <laughs> it does. You know, the Bible says that that a cheerful heart does good like a medicine. A cheerful heart does good like a medicine. I've, I've watched situations, circumstances. I've, I've been at hospitals. I've been at emergency rooms. I've been in ICUs. I've been in, in, all, in, in funerals. And I watch and observe family members. And as they start talking and sharing with one another and, and communicating and loving and caring, and, and even in the worst kind of trial and situation, all of a sudden they're laughing. And they're 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 talking among themselves, and their and their s- memories and stories and things that are triggering, and and they're they're engaged, and laughter comes so natural. It's it's really not a real dichotomy, uh, an opposite like we would think. No, it, in the midst of the trial, we can have joy, and we don't have to be ashamed of it. That is part of the healing process, I think, even, so many times. Is that you can have the joy of the Lord that's working and giving you strength and and moving you through that process. Joy should be exercised in the midst of the trial. And the last one is joy is produced from within. I've I've, I've said it, I've said it, I'm going to keep saying it, I'm going to punch it now (laughs) that it again the origin of it is not in the circumstances it is not in an outward of I have to it's from the presence of God it's from his spirit abiding within it's produced from within 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 6 and 7 says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord. He's writing, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And so many of these churches were being persecuted. Becoming a Christian in those days was intense. In some places, I mean, they, they kill you for becoming a Christian. It was completely opposed in so many ways. He says, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. So, in other words, they received the gospel. They, they accepted that, that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He says, You received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit with joy of the Holy Spirit. Again, it almost looks like a dichotomy. It almost looks like these are, these are opposite. Okay, they shouldn't go together. And yet, in affliction, in their persecution, they're, they're happy. They're joyful. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia, Achaia, who believe. I literally have had people do, do that. They they look at me and think I'm strange. Well, I am. <laughs> but but some of it they're looking at and they're like, okay, you're you're going through hell. Come on, let's just be real. It's like Pastor in Church. Come on. <laughs> You know what they say, right? If you're going through hell, don't stop. (laughs) Don't camp there, (laughs) right? (laughs) Just go on through. And they look at my life and they're like, man, with everything he's going through and he's still on course, he's still living for Jesus, he's still got joy in his heart. Why not? Because it's a joy that is from within. Not not generated by anything of self, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And with that, it becomes an example. I remember, uh, let me say, many, many years ago now, You know, back in the 80s, late 80s there, I, I was this church's youth pastor <laughs> a long time ago. And we, you know, of course, I, I love being able to get young people out, sharing their faith and, and uh not only just locally within our community, but we would take some short-term missions trips, nothing like even what our teams are doing. You know, if you connect with Miss Joanne, I mean, you're, you're going somewhere. <laughs> you're going to a foreign country, for sure. But even then, back in, back in the late 80s, we, we would go, you know, into Mexico. And at that time, the government was, was giving them lots of land if they would build on it and folks from way down south would would come up along the border and they would to take advantage of this little plot of land but they had no money they had no resources and yet they would they would gather up cardboard and they would they would take that cardboard and and those that 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 could would find maybe bed springs and and fasten the cardboard to it and then literally from the dirt the ground that they that was there from the dirt and the grass they would start making adobe and they would eventually have an adobe one room house and a whole family sometimes a large family would be living there and i remember going through what was called cardboard city and we would take the youth and we would go through there and we would be sharing you know Jesus with them and and we would invite them to a to a, a, a an outreach that we would do where they would gather in and we would do games with the kids and play with the kids and do some things and then we had all these giveaways of food and pots and pans and just things things that would help them in life resource them as well you know that is the gospel it's not just words it's action and so we would we would do that, and I remember year after year, especially that, that first year of taking that that pretty large group down there, and the impact. Because later, when we went back to the mission, and we were there, and the the um, the missionary leader there of the of the mission would he would get the kids to to share what they experienced in. I watch young ladies wash makeup off with tears. Boo-hooing. Young men, stout young men, lose it. And you know what it was? Because it was impacting. Is when you showed up at a house of a Christian, it didn't matter that it was cardboard. Those folks, it it didn't matter that they didn't have anything to share. They were willing to share. But they exemplified a joy that was remarkable. Having nothing, really. And yet their life was such an impact, such an example. And with young people, even back in the 80s, I, I can only imagine now of of how blessed we are In America even if you don't have a lot I'm telling you there's places most third world developing nations and places that we have we have more Example Your life some of the, the, the greatest impact of the gospel being shared is not what we say, but how we live. And if we're living these nine fruits of the Spirit, people want to bite out of that fruit. <laughs> and joy is significant in these because think about the world in which we live it's so despairing It's, it's, you know again I I don't encourage you to turn on the news (laughs) it's depressing (laughs) so much in this world just doesn't offer now are there pleasures are there things absolutely but What if we come back to the roots of this within the Feast of Tabernacles, within Sukkot, where it's about family, it's about friends, it's about inviting guests, it's about feasting, it's about joy. Can you imagine, what if, and I'll close with this, I'm going to read, read one last one here. What if, over the next week, because this, this, is, this is, I think, some of why God lays it out the way he does. It's, it's not just a, a moment. How many of have had some moments, some encounters with God, some, uh, a, a touch? Or, uh, you, got, you got a Holy Ghost chill bump. <laughs> you had a moment, but that, that, that can be so short-lived. But what if all of us became very intentional? From today, this Sunday, to next Sunday, we made it a point to receive this as a command from God that I'm going to be joyful every day. I'm not going to show up at work as old bad news. Come on. What if for one week, I said, you know what? I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to put on joy. I'm going to, by faith, express joy. I'm going to be joyful. I, I'm telling you, I think for a, a week, we practice, there's no telling how long this just continues. When I talk about this commanding, I, I go back to the Old Testament and there was this unique place there in Nehemiah where they were restoring the rebuilding the walls and and everything was a mess and there was there was just such dysfunction among the people of God and they'd been in bondage and, and but they were Nehemiah was in there leading them how to get their lives back in order and how to reset things in order and do some things. And in and, and chapter 8, they, they restore the reading of the Word of God. And as the priest began to read the Word of God, the people just began to just be broken. They were so touched by it. They was like convicting. And in this place in verse 10, when he, when he saw them responding in that way, he's like, whoa, 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 we're missing it. God's not into beating us up. He's into lifting us up. Now, does He want us to get out of bondage, get out of sin, get out of doing things wrong? Absolutely. Because that stuff hurts us. But He's not into beating us up over it. Look look at this. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, Then He said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, My kids uh, family are always after me because I like the fat. Which end of the brisket do you want? The the skinny lean or the fat? <laughs> Come on. How <laughs> many out there with me? You want the New York strip or you want the ribeye? Oh the ribeye. That marbles all through it. Anyway. Eat the fat! Drink the sweet. Send portions to those for whom is prepared. For this day is holy. (laughs) This day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's stand just for this, this moment. We're going we're to move into an altar time here and, and sing this last closing song. But look, think about that. The joy. Don't be sorrowful. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Wow. And you may be at a place to where completely by faith you're having to because of the situation of just saying God I got to trust you in this and I don't maybe you're saying I don't understand this situation I don't know why but that's the incredible thing about the relationship with personally with God is that we don't always have all the whys but we know who holds the future And we know ultimately, we're only passing through. You know, because that's the other part of this this, this holiday. Sukut. And where they set up those little booths. And they camp outside. Some of them sleep in it. They put a tent up and they sleep outside for these seven days. They're out there with their kids. They're sleeping under the stars. And the whole idea, the concept behind that, it drives us home that we're all in a temporary dwelling. <laughs> We're temporary here. But God's got something better on the other side. Father, I just thank you for just sealing this in our hearts and our lives. and For those that need to accept Jesus today, that right there where they're at, that they're just saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. For those that need to return to you with their whole heart that haven't been living for a father that they would just right now make that decision. If that's you just simply say Jesus I'm coming home. I'm getting a reset right here.